It's the second hour of Sports Talk here on News Talk 1493.9 FM, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie, delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the program. Hour number two of Monday Night Sports Talk with you until 6 o'clock. I had White Sox baseball here on the air tonight. Matt Daniels is here. Bob Osmussen is here. Scott Ritchie taking a little long weekend, is he, Matthew? Yeah, some uh, well-deserved time off for our hardworking Atlanta beat writer. So you are stuck with me and Bob. Hey. Apologies to you, Steve. It's an honor to be in the same room with you guys. <laughs> Whatever. <Bob? laughs> How you doing, Bob? I'm good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. You hung out down at the golf course today a little bit. Yeah, I did. Not Gale for long, but yeah, I missed Mary Hansen. Once I was started here, I didn't. I apparently she came a little bit later than after I left, and I had to get back and write my column for Matt. It was more important. <laughs> Matt wins over Mary at this point, barely. She shouldn't. I know. I should have probably waited, but anyway, yeah, it was it was fun. Great chance chance to talk to Kendall. Kendall. Great chance to talk to. Right on to what, so it's fun. We had Kendall on the uh, Saturday morning right. show. Good to catch up with him. And, you know, what's amazing to me is the fact that uh, not only do I remember the first of those 33 golf outings, but the fact that that's been going on for 33 years and the same player has been involved with it the whole time. I don't think there's another pro athlete that has anything like that going on. Well, I'd be, you know, hard-pressed to find something that's been going on in right. Champaign-Urbana for 33 years running right. uh you really have to kind of sit there and think about what might else what else might be out there and the fact that kendall gill has attached his name to this for three plus decades and is a constant presence at it it's not like he just you know puts his name on it and uh, right. just kind of sends a check or sends some money he's he's an active participant in it he is there all day at, at the at Savoy National, at the the orange course and blue course out there, and uh, benefits the Ch- Cunningham Children's Home, and and we'll have a story, and we can talk more about it here on the show. We'll have a <coughs> story in tomorrow's paper from Joey Wright on this topic too. But it also just shows you how long it's been around. That Kendall's oldest son Phoenix, who is going to be a sophomore in high school at St. Ignatius in Chicago, who has an offer from Brad Underwood and the Illini. Uh, that he's got a kid now that's being recruited by Illinois. And uh, that's just kind of hard to wrap your head around at times. But uh, I'd be very curious to see what the one-on-one matchups are like at the Gill household, if Kendall takes it easy on well, Phoenix at all. Dad has not aged. He, I, I was scary. He looks he, a little older with that beard. He's well, that's yeah. Now, he, I, I, that's why I would shave the beard because <laughs> there's no reason to have gray. Because mine would be the same. If I grew a beard, it would be gray, and I, I don't want that either. But Kendall's a little younger than me, but he should shave that thing because he looks like he's 25, and he's in great shape. And he obviously is a really good person. What he's done for the community and for the school is really kind of awesome. And he kept talking about his son. So funny. He kept saying, 
I would, he wasn't like mincing words. I want my son to go play here. It was like not. It was like I was like I want him to think. I want him to think about it. It was like no. I want him here. It's like okay, that's good. But it's kind of what what do you, you imagine if this is for what three years from now? Mm-hmm. If you were to come here, that's going to be Kendall around all the time, even more so than he is now, which he's around plenty. But it'd be kind of cool to have him here for four more years. That'd be a lot of fun. I asked him Saturday how he would compare himself and Phoenix at the same right. stage, right. and he said there's no comparison. Yeah, he said that Phoenix better. Yeah. is that much better. Of course, Kendall was a late bloomer mm-hmm. himself, but uh, if that's the case now, you got to weigh into a little fatherly pride and in, in things you right. say about your son. But I've always found that, uh, and you guys, you have both both have mm-hmm. sons, as do I. I always found it was hard to see myself in my my child. Mm-hmm. But maybe in this case, he he knows how good he was at that time, and he right. he knows how good Phoenix appears to be at this time. Yeah, I don't think he wants to put pressure on his son. I just sure. think he wants them to realize that you could your ceiling could be higher than mine. Which, if that's the case. I mean, this guy's going to be an all-star, right? I mean, that's you know, it's put a lot, a lot of, you know, who who knows what's going to happen. But it, I just from a size standpoint, he's probably bigger, I, certainly bigger than he, than Kendall was at this age. So it's Kendall it's, said he told me Saturday that he was five eleven. I I can <laughs> play that. I can <laughs> at, see that at this point, and uh, Phoenix is six two. And good of good of Brad Underwood to recognize you got a legacy. From a guy that was such a great player here, Hall of Famer, and a great longtime pro, it'd be stupid not to offer that kid a scholarship. Now, even if he doesn't come here, you want that guy to think about it, and certainly if the player develops like anything close to as bad, it's going to be really nice four years from Illinois. So. The other part of the story is that uh, this golf outing over 32 and going into now 33 years has raised more than six hundred thousand dollars for the Cunningham Children's Home. Uh, I mean, that's that's a that's kind of burying the lead of really why why it goes on. Well, and and that's the thing too that that makes this golf outing so worthwhile is not only is it great to to see a former Illini legend in Kendall Gill and and a decorated NBA veteran who still keeps tabs on the games does still does broadcast work for the for the Bulls up in Chicago with NBC Sports Chicago. But he's kind of become synonymous with the Cunningham Children's Home. When you hear the Cunningham Children's Home in Urbana and, and the work that they do, you your mind almost instantaneously transfers to Kendall Gill just because he's been associated with this this golf outing to to help the Cunningham Children's Home for so long. And uh, like you said, Steve, it's just a great endeavor that that he is he and his family have uh, done through through so many years. And you know, thinking back to to the Phoenix Gill, you know, we've got photos in our archives of him as a three, four-year-old that right. is out here at this outing. It's not like it's just, like I said earlier, it's not just lip service for Kendall. He comes down here, he spends a whole day here, he brings his whole family here. He knows that what impact he can have just by showing up has on the event, and that's why it's been such a worthwhile event for, for decades now in, in Champaign, and it's just kind of like a a nice annual summer treat that we get. It's always kind of around the all-star break in, in baseball when there's not much going on here locally. And, and to have a guy of his stature and, and his name recognition still give back, uh, not only to Cunningham Children's Home, but to his kind of his adopted hometown uh, from his days as a flying Illini is just what makes it so 
so endearing and, and so nice to, to have the event still going on. I think would do football football a little good to have a Kendall Gill. I'm not sure who that person is, who that person is that we would be attached to a long time charitable event. But I think that's a such such a great thing that kind of brings everybody together, like Matt just said. So I think they need to find that kind of person. Frankly, every sport could have that per, that kind of person, but I think. In football, football would be especially important. Some other news on this uh, Monday afternoon, uh, July the 11th. Uh, sorry to hear the news uh, today about uh, the passing of former Illinois football coach Gary Moeller at the age of 82. He coached three seasons in Champaign-Urbana, coming down from the Michigan football coaching staff and then right. uh, later went back to Michigan as head coach. His record here in those three years, 624-3, and three, didn't go so well, but he ended up having some good years as head coach replacing Bo Schembechler, and he played linebacker at Ohio State right? and uh, coached with Bo Schembechler at Miami of Ohio. So Gary Muller, one of those uh, Big Ten kind of guys. Yeah, I just talked to him a couple times over the years, uh, only really when Illinois played them in the, I guess it was the 90s, uh, late 80s, 90s. And uh, I've tre- I tried to reach out to him within the last five or six years just to kind of catch up, but I think he was pretty – sour on Illinois and I think certainly Bo was sour on Illinois after they fired his guy right I they think if you look at the, some of the scores after Bo got fired Illinois and Michigan if there was an extra touch in our down or two scored by Bo it was like okay you got my guy I'm gonna get you and I think that happened multiple times in five seasons as head coach at uh, Michigan Gary Moeller was 44, 13, and right. 3. Really good. Yeah. And a lot of it was, you know, basically a look at the talent he yeah. inherited there. And Bo left him in good shape. And obviously he came here and it was a, it was a mess. He was not the right fit. Right fit. Uh, I think people here maybe thought at the time, and I was not here, obviously, that maybe he could duplicate some of the Michigan way. But clearly that was not going to happen. And he did, apparently did not do a great job recruiting here. Now there, it's you know, throw a net all, all over Michigan, you get the best guys, you'll be fine. But here was, you had to work, and he apparently didn't want to do the, that part of the job here. Got That's the what phone, I understand. Got the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Let's go to the phones. Hey, you're on Monday Night Sports Talk, hour number two. What's going on? Uh, yeah, I uh, talk to Bob. Bob, you know, I see on Twitter that uh, our football program is getting a lot of recruits. How good do you think they'll be when uh, we start strapping it up in uh, August or September? I mean, he really is getting a lot of guys. I want to hear what your take is, and I'll listen to your answer. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Neil. We appreciate you calling. Yeah, thanks, Neil. I think it's probably too early to make a call on this. I think they're doing the main thing he said, which is I'm going to hit the states. I'm going to get a bunch of guys from the state. They're doing that in some form, and they're going to do it some more. I think he's looking for people that kind of fit what they want to do in terms of running the ball, in terms of playing great defense. And I think that's – I think he's looking for athletes. He's looking for game changers. The difference is they're not highly recruited as much as maybe Ron Zook's classes. So I think they're off a little bit that way, but I'm not sure that it always matters. I think you have to get guys that – fit what you want to do and i think they're doing that let's take another call hey go ahead you're on sports talk hour number two monday night here what's going on okay is it is it me it is you carl Carl. okay anyway well for one thing i wanted to mention 
about the Kinderville uh, outing is to realize it blows my mind that he started the whole thing while he was still in college. Oh, I so, guess that's right. Yeah. Is that right? Because L- you say 1989, he, w- he was still in, he, he didn't graduate until 90, he didn't leave school until 90. Correct. So, so he started that as a college student. So Sam, to me, that's kind of wild. Sam, Buck, Sam Banks went to Kendall, I think at the time, said, can you help us out? And I think that's what, that's what I understand happened. Again, I'd just gotten here, so I wasn't involved in that. But uh, I've understood that over the years, that Sam Banks was really the linchpin there. But, yeah, it's an impressive girl that Kendall got involved at that age because not a lot of 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds are thinking that way. They're thinking about, I want to go play in the league. They're not thinking, I'm going to help Champaign, a, a community I didn't even grow up in, help a help a organization that really actually needed help, and he came through. He did both. He played 15 right. years in right. the league. He did. And now he's got a 33-year yeah. streak on the golf outing. Yeah, uh, I guess you started talking about football recruiting with the last caller, which I kind of missed while I was getting getting my call going. Um, but to me, you you have to be patient with him developing the uh, his recruiting because it's only the second year. Oh yeah, and you got to develop those relationships. I, I totally better. agree. Totally agree, Carl. I think that he was not helped by the previous coach because that coach did not do a great job of recruiting the state of Illinois. So I think Brett Bielema has a uphill battle. But it's dual, and I think the good thing he is, he clearly made a priority right when he got here. Basically started talking about it, getting to know the people in the state, the coaches in the state, the high school. There's there's great football in Illinois. Not the best. I would say there's five states ahead of Illinois, but it's pretty close. So if you get the best or some of the best kids from Illinois, you have a chance to have have a great foundation for your future. Anything else, but, Carl? But to me, Illinois is, is at the at the point where uh, the where they have to just kind of beat the bushes and go under the radar. No, I and agree. I, That's what kind of runs some Turner. kids that. Sorry, I cut you off. Ron Turner yeah, did that early, early in his career. Kind of found guys that nobody else wanted or or less recruited, and I think that's critical. You're right. You're right. Got to find guys, but also you have to recruit the highest level guys too if you can. Well, you got to try, but uh, I mean, it's all about relationships. So anyway, um, I just have to make a comment. It's awfully hard to get to five hundred when you, when your team loses five run leads all the time. Anyway, I thought I'd give a dig on myself. Okay, Carl, here. good to hear from you. Thank you. All righty. Yep. Bye. Thanks, Carl. So long. It is 525. Uh, need to take a break. We'll keep the phone lines open here on hour number two of Monday Night Sports Talk. <music> Moving up on 530, Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS with Bob Osmussen and Matt Daniels. I'm Steve Kelly. Scott Ritchie taking a little time off on some... Uh, 
vacation time. He'll be back here as the week uh, progresses. Told you about uh, Gary Moeller passing away. We talked about the Kendall Gill golf outing. The Big Ten ACC women's basketball matchups were announced today, and Shauna Green's uh, Fighting Illini team on the road heading east to Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, the Illini play at Pitt on November 30th, the first ever matchup between the two schools. So there's, Yeah, I learned something right there. There's that. Uh, and, and just like the, the men's Big Ten ACC Challenge, the women's basketball ACC or Big Ten ACC Challenge does similar matchups. They try to pair the top teams against the top teams and then kind of work their way down and Illinois obviously has struggled mightily in, in recent years. That's why you have a new coach and, and Shauna Green. Uh finished seven and twenty last season, including one and thirteen in the Big Ten. She didn't. <coughs> the team did. No, Illinois did, right. but it's her program now. Right. Uh Pitt conversely also struggled last year. They went eleven and nineteen, including two and sixteen in the ACC, ended the year on a ten game Losing streak, so it's kind of a coin flip game uh, at this moment. You're not really sure what to make of Illinois at this point because they have so many new players on her roster. They only have five returnees from last year, four transfers, a handful of other freshmen that are going to make their debut uh, with the Illini this upcoming season. And you're not sure, too, how obviously Shauna Green had success at Dayton, how that's going to translate once she dives into Big Ten play, but there are some intriguing matchups. In, it looks like they, the they took ACC both those teams' struggles into account when they matched them up. Exactly. Did they do that all the way down? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it kind of one, and, and I ranked all 14 matchups, and you can read more about it in, in Tuesday's News Gazette, but that's kind of how the matchups break down. I'd say arguably kind of the top matchup is North Carolina State at Iowa. NC State was a Final Four team last year, finished 32-4. and four. Iowa lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament last season, but they have arguably the best player in women's college basketball coming back in Caitlin Clark, who averaged 27 points last season for the Hawkeyes. And basically once she crosses half court is a threat to score. That's in Iowa City. And the the matchups, too, are November 30th and December 1st. So there is some overlap with the men's uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge at the same time as well. But they're doing seven games uh, each day. But that's kind of how it worked out is the the top teams in the Big Ten from last season match up against the top teams from the ACC last season. Uh, Ohio State plays Louisville and kind of another marquee uh, women's basketball Big Ten ACC challenge matchup. So eager to see how it goes. And this will be the 15th time for Illinois uh, in this event. It's been an annual event since 2007. They did not have it in the pandemic-affected 2020-21 season. Uh, Illinois four and ten all time. They've lost their last five or six games in in the challenge history. But uh, you know we'll see what uh, a trip to Pittsburgh does for the Illini in, in late November. Brad Underwood has almost everybody here now. Yeah. As uh, Matthew Meyer uh, got into town over the weekend, so he's working out with the basketball team. Yeah, and uh, Bob talked to to Brad Underwood earlier today, and uh, he writes about it in a, a column in, in Tuesday's paper, and uh, Meyer got into town on, on Sunday and uh, was able to kind of hang out with the team Sunday night and earlier this morning, and uh, he's going to get on the court later this week uh, with the Illini as he gets up to speed after he finished some academic work at, at Baylor, and he is, uh, along with Terrence Shannon Jr., probably one of the more intriguing newcomers on this Illinois roster, not only with the Illini, but also in, in the Big Ten. Is, uh, obviously, we talked just moment, minutes ago about Shauna Green's revamped roster. Brad Underwood's roster is uh, completely revamped as well, and, and just uh, eager to see what that 
what the different lineup combinations that they can work with and, and who starts and who comes off the bench and what matchups work with what uh, is, is going to be arguably one of the top stro- sports storylines here in, in Champaign-Urbana as the, the winter gets uh, closer and closer. And basketball coaches are back out on the road. Uh, they, I guess they can't talk to the, the players, but they can watch them play. And they did that last weekend at a few locations, including Kansas City and Atlanta, which is where Phoenix Gill was playing. But mm-hmm. uh, they only had coaches at both those locations. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I know Brad Underwood was getting on a plane uh Today probably might be there already right now. He's going to Vegas for a few days to see Kofi Coburn, uh, who's in action in the NBA Summer League. Uh, Coburn and, and the Utah Jazz play at 9 o'clock tonight in a game. And uh, he's got another game on, on Wednesday that Brad Underwood's going to check out Coburn in, in Vegas in person before he comes back to town. And, uh, yeah, the recruiting cycle never really stops. Uh, they don't have anyone. Illinois right now doesn't have anyone in the class of 2023. Uh, they do have one open scholarship right now for the upcoming season. And like Brad Underwood has stressed repeatedly, I'd imagine that scholarship stays open. Because also, too, if you think about it as well, you got 12 guys on scholarship. They're not all going to play next season. Brad Underwood has shown a tendency to roll out, you know, nine to ten men. Uh, lineups at times especially early on in the season but as the the Big Ten season rolls around and uh, obviously postseason play comes into effect you shorten up that rotation significantly so it's okay I'd say having an open scholarship right now because that does give them some flexibility if they want to add a a transfer at the midway point of the season and also just to roll over for for future classes Um, recruiting and especially in college basketball these days is just such an interesting dichotomy because at some point You'd have to think, okay, all these coaches that are out on the road recruiting all these high school prospects in AAU games, how many of them are going to, one, land these guys, and then two, also, if you do land them, how long are they going to stick around your program? So would that time be better served to actually stay on campus and spend that time maybe hosting some transfer recruits or transfer prospects I think that's something that college basketball really needs to kind of figure out here in, in the next couple of years because as we've seen high school recruiting has just kind of evolved and you really want to kind of nail the the four and five star recruits the one and done or the two and done type players but then if you don't then you can simply reload your roster by the philosophy of the Brad Underwood and lots of other college program college coaches have taken is is mining the transfer portal and and picking up key pieces that way used to talk to coaches about uh, you didn't in your coaching handbook you didn't have a plan on how to coach through a pandemic. <laughs> well, you also didn't have in your plan how to deal with a transfer portal, NIL, and a lot of other things. And uh, I guess the old saying, the great ones adjust, applies here. Well, yeah, and exactly. And, and you think about all the players that have left Illinois in the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Jacob Grandison arrived from Holy Cross, I don't think there was anyone that said, man, he's going he's gonna to go to Duke eventually. That never entered anyone's radar or anyone's head. And, and when Terrence Shannon went to Texas Tech or Matthew Meyer went to Baylor, I don't think a lot of people are like, yep, someday they're going to wind up in Champaign. I mean, you could have said that, I guess, but you would have been – people would have looked at you kind of cross-eyed there and thought you were something was off your rocker there at the moment. But that's just kind of how college basketball operates these days. It's essentially free agency once the, the season arrives. There's almost more chatter – even when the NCAA tournament's going on and in full tilt in, in late March of, okay, who's who's entered the transfer portal? Who's going to leave the transfer portal? That's the first thing, too, that people, um, you know, I think back to uh, doing the show back at the Esquire in late March. That was one of the first things people talked about after, right after the Illinois season ended 
against Houston in the second round. It wasn't, oh man, this was such a great season. Uh, you know, I really remember where I was when they beat Iowa to, to clinch a share of the Big Ten title. Or, oh, here, what what happened here? It's okay. Who's leaving? <laughs> who who uh, does does the fact that Andre Cabello didn't play a lot in the second half or hardly at all against Houston? Does that mean he's on the way out? I mean, that's kind of where and he was and he was right. Uh, but that's just kind of how college basketball operates these days. Is as soon as you sign a player, it's almost like you start the countdown to okay, one are they going to develop into a prospect that leaves early for the NBA draft, or two, do they then become a guy that is going to explore options elsewhere? Well, when Steve and I were younger, you weren't born yet, Matt. Guys would come to school and stay for four years. We wouldn't think about it. Right, they were not. That going happened in. in my childhood as well. well Bob, yeah, but and, I mean, it was more. It was it was constant, right? Mm-hmm. So rarely would guys move on. All of the greatest of players would leave early. When I was first following sports, they never did that because they couldn't. Then once they could, then the NBA kind of started that whole deal. But college football, even you know, guys would stay X number of years. You would just know they were there, and then I think that part's gotten it's made it hard for fans. But I also think, and I've written this a lot. They kind of got to get over it. You kind of got to. There's two ways to go. Either stop paying attention, don't just ignore it, follow or something else, or jump on board, realize it's different, and have fun with it. I've kind of gone that, that way because post sports forever, baseball free agency, always change the look of your team. So I think in college, it's, it is – I hate to say it is what it is, but it really is what <laughs> Trust it is. The process, Bob. So yeah, I, I don't like those phrases, but I think in this case, it's really important that you get adaptable. Well, from a fan's perspective, you're rooting more so for the school and the university than I'd say it ever before in in, in your lifetime as a fan, and and we've seen how drastic college sports looks these days compared to what it was even five ten years ago i'm not even saying going back to the 60s and 70s because that's completely unrecognizable of what college athletics is these days and and we're seeing even more change come to the forefront with what's going to happen in the big 10 in a couple years with the addition of southern cal and and ucla and and what started out as just college sports mainly being a regional rooting interest for people it's where you lived and who was geographically close that whole concept is thrown out the window now with two Los Angeles teams joining a conference with deep roots in the Midwest. So you basically are just going to root for the school, especially with all the player movement that goes on these days is as soon as you get used to who's on a roster that changes. And obviously granted in college, it's a shorter time span than what happens in pro sports because they're only there for four or five years. But even these days, I mean, you're, you're never, you'd be more hard-pressed to find players like Trent Frazier and DeMonte Williams who stayed, granted it was five seasons because of the pandemic, but who stayed for what is the true definition of kind of a college career than what happens nowadays where players stay for a couple seasons. If they don't like their situation at Pritikoo School, they leave. We'll talk more about the expansion when we come back as it applies to college sports. Stay with us. Hour number two of Monday Night Sports Talk continues after this. 5.44, heading towards 6 o'clock on Monday Night Sports Talk. With Matt Daniels and Bob Osmussen, I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Let's uh, go to the phones. Good afternoon, caller. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. What's on your mind? 
Yeah, I was wanting to know if you think that uh, if Djokovic is the best all time or Nadal. I go neither. Let's go. Uh, I really have loved Pete Sampras. Okay. Love good. Pete Sampras. I, I, Roger Federer, Roger Federer is awesome. John but McEnroe, here, I get I get the right answer. Arthur Ashe. No, you're wrong. The right answer is Serena Williams. Oh, that's okay. the right answer. Right. The correct well, answer is her. Okay, not Djokovic. No. No, not All yet. Right. Serena. Thank yeah, appreciate the call. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Big Ten expansion sitting at 16 or will be sitting at 16. The question is. Will it be more than sixteen when it's time to be sixteen? <laughs> I don't. You'd have does, to. Does that make sense to you? No, I, I get Move it. Move fast. I'd that, exactly. That. That's the the thing in in this whole. Uh, you know, Gary Barta, the Illinois athlete, the Iowa athletic director, excuse me, had a press conference on Friday where he said the Big Ten's done adding teams for the near future. Okay, well he no, said yeah, that he said that anything. he said that Friday afternoon. So you know it could change by Saturday morning, but it obviously it didn't. I, they'd have to. I, I think they're going to have to move fast in a couple of years because, I mean, twenty twenty four is two years from now. You USC and UCLA are going to be in the Big Ten, and there's all sorts of scheduling quirks and issues that they're going to have right. to work out for a multitude of sports. Obviously, everyone just thinks of football and men's basketball. And those are the two that are driving the money train right now. But there's a whole handful of other sports that need answers like, okay, how's is Illinois baseball going to go out to L.A. and play the Trojans and the Bruins at the same time? Or are they oh, just yeah, gonna, definitely. You would think. Definitely. But no yeah. one – no Basketball, same thing. No basketball one's come out and said that, though. They will say that. I think one thing here, you have to be nimble, but you also have to realize – you have to decide, what, what do I want? If you're the Big Ten – you got to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be 16, 12, 18, 20, whatever, whatever the number is, pick the number. I'm telling you, most schools in the country, most schools, all, all but a handful, if you, the Big Ten calls them, they're going to say yes. What about they're, Notre Dame? No, th- th- let's, don't, don't think, worry about them. Put them aside. Everybody else, of everybody else, if you call Cal, Oregon, Stanford, Washington, they're coming to the Big Big Ten. Okay, no but what question. do you what do you do about Washington State and Oregon State? What if what I'm if, sorry. What if state legislatures get uh, involved? Call again. Well, don't worry about that. <laughs> call again. I'm sorry. We we got no room for you. You're you're not in Oregon. You're not you're not Washington. So so would you rather have a combo of Washington, Oregon, or Cal Stanford rather than Notre Dame join the? Well, Big I'd Ten? like to have Notre Dame plus, but I put Notre Dame on the side. Put them on back burner for now and. Basically, do what Ryan Gunther always suggested, which is force them to, to, to join your conference. So give them, make it really hard for them to schedule. So pile up a bunch of teams that won't play them and say, hey, good luck, Notre Dame. Have a good time playing Navy every game. So, you know, I thought sort of be a little mean, but I think if Notre Dame, somebody said that, maybe Lauren did, if they see a path to the playoffs being blocked, then they're going to jump, right? So force that to happen. But Big Ten's got a lot, a lot of power here, but I think they need to decide what they want to do. We can talk all about the issues about travel and all that, but you know, flights are pretty fast, right? If you can get on one, they don't get canceled. <laughs> but these are charter flights. Okay? Well, not not all of, for football and basketball. Right. Yes, football, basketball, charter flights. Yes. I think I think every other sport. Golf, well, golf will do more regional things. Well, I think baseball, soccer, 
volleyball, they'll play like if Illinois goes west, they'll play two or three matches. Well, I mean that's another and consideration that's, too. Yeah. Is if you you do have these other sports like volleyball and softball and baseball, do you charter their flights in the future? Maybe I mean, that, that's, maybe that's a possibility. Yeah, maybe you do. You Th- those do are all have, questions that Josh. Especially Whitman if you're getting has. ninety or hundred million a year, right? From, exactly. You get the money. That's okay. <laughs> but I do think the Big Ten. They just need to pick the schools. I wish they'd pick Oklahoma and, and Texas. I wish they had done that. I think both of those schools would have come. They weren't as good a fits, I think, ad- academically as the two they just added. And I think, you know, look, Notre Dame is, would be a great fit that way. And I think if you ask the presidents at the Big Ten, what are you really looking for here? They'll say, we want some high-minded academic institutions. So there's some schools that most of us would say great in sports, that they might say, whoa, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't want those schools. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Why does that matter in 2022? Because ultimately, the the congregation of schools here is not just an academ- uh, not just a sports conglomeration. It's sports and al- academics. And it, it matters because— So the TV executives care about that? They don't care, but, they, but the presidents do. Okay. And the people that run the universities— Do you, you think know, they really care? Look at the like, budget. Do you think they just have to say they care to look present at the, No, optics. they care. Look at the budget in Illinois, okay? The sports budget in Illinois is pretty high. It's a drop in the bucket compared to the rest of school. So, yes, there's some power in, in sports, of course, but it's not as powerful as this whole academic institution. It's not even close. So I think yes, that's there. It matters. You got to make everybody happy. So, do you think anybody in Texas is asking the question? Have we signed anything yet? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I think because would the Big Ten make a little more sense for Texas? It would, a lot of ways, and and especially if you pair them with Oklahoma. I think the one thing nobody's talking about or Notre Dame or Notre Dame. Yeah. The one thing people aren't talking about a little bit here is. A&M could not be happy. They definitely cannot be happy because they basically tried to flee Texas, right? They don't, they don't want anything to do with them. They want to be away. They want to be have their own shadow. Now they're back with Texas. Maybe they, they, maybe they joined the Big Ten. That, that would have been fun. I, I would have been all for that. I would have been more for that kind of a combination. But I think that adding the West Coast schools, the side of the, side of the media markets, Adding L.A., then maybe San Francisco and Portland, and you know you're adding the big places, uh, Seattle. That'd be a big deal. So it's more money. So we're down to about 47 days before the first Illinois wow. football game. You're doing your countdown. I am. Do you have it all done? Is I do. It, do you? Oh, He's got not, all the teams. Not over, I got all the teams. It's not all written. Okay, gotcha. No, 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 because so many things happen. So I kind of do them. Maybe five days at a time, kind of whenever I have a few minutes. It takes longer than that. But uh, I don't try to change them much. So my top 25 that I'm going to send to AP is done right now. Now, if it's a major injury of quarterback, if you, Ohio State, not that one that's happened, loses the quarterback who's the best player in the country, that will drop them. Sure. Obviously. But I'm not going to do that. So everything's pretty well set. And I've got, I think, six big, big 10 teams by top 25, including kind of a surprise, Purdue. It's going to be in my top 25. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones. Hey, you're on uh, Sports Talk. Go ahead. 
Hey guys, I was just listening to the conversation. Um, aren't we just getting to the point where it's just going to be two big conferences and everybody else? I mean, are we going to call it a conference anymore? Big Ten is kind of silly at this point, considering there will probably be more than 20 teams when we're done. I mean, uh, I, who's going to care about Kansas State or TCU or Colorado football and they're not even involved with the the rest of the of the teams? And, you know, let's say if they were starting over from scratch right now, would Illinois, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, would they even be in this conference? It's a great football? question. It's a great. It's a great question. I'm not sure. No. Well, <laughs> right. I think I think that's right. I think, I, I think that I think Illinois is very fortunate to be in the position they're in, being a charter member of the Big Ten, right? Where they can. Now that should have the you right? It does. Yeah, it should. Exactly. It should. I mean, they've Rightfully been there so. since the start. Yeah. Right. But and, and, right. and we haven't seen a precedent yet in college athletics, and I don't know if we ever will, but I don't think either of us thought two weeks ago we'd be talking about USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. We haven't seen a precedent of, say, a power conference like the SEC or the Big Ten saying, Yeah, okay, go the, away. Yeah, go away. <laughs> no, the SEC's not calling Vanderbilt and saying, please leave. It's not you, it's me. Exactly. It's not you, it's me. Yeah, I think that's that's not going to happen. Obviously, it's not going to happen. There would be horrible, a lot of repercussions. But you're right. The idea of conferences, I think it's more of a it's a unit to bargain with. It's a bargaining unit. Mm. That's what it is more than today. So b- the schools in the Big Ten, which you're right, it's going to be 16, 20 schools. It'll be still be the Big Ten because it's, it's a brand. Exactly. That's the thing. It's, it's, a, it's, brand. it's a branding and marketing yeah, it's tool. Not because a, as we saw when Penn State got added, the Big Ten didn't all of a sudden decide to call itself the Big 11. The Big 12 has, has big, 10 schools. Yeah. And right. Then, I mean, the Big Ten's got 14. I don't know what the Pac-12 does in the future. Who knows? Pac-12 forward. used to be the Pac-8. And you Correct. See, yeah. Exactly. And then the, the Pac-10. And then when they added Colorado and Utah, they moved it to the Pac-12. So they're in trouble as far as a... Actually, used to be yeah, they're the, gonna go down again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> used to be the Pacific Coast Conference. Mm-hmm. Maybe they go back to that. And just get the num- Just take the number right. out of the equation. Hey, got to run. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, guys. You bet. Ten fifty-five. A final break, and we're back after this. Got a couple of minutes left here on Monday Night Sports Talk, hour number two. In Sunday's paper, you had the Illinois year in review. Mm-hmm. My question in the reading through that is how many people were involved in putting that together? How long did it take? Uh, everyone on the sports staff was. Uh, Scott Ritchie in the past has taken the brunt of the writing for that this year. We tried to make it a more democratic process. So uh, I, I wrote all the grades for all the teams that ran on, on a page, but uh, all the lists that we compiled, uh, Scott had a hand in it, Bob did, uh, Colin Likas. Joe Vizelli, uh, Joey Wright. We all kind of took our turns. Did you argue about anything? Uh, not necessarily. There you didn't wasn't change any of mine. I was surprised. Uh, you let my Bob, alone. you're the the wise one on the Yeah, but I, I thought somebody's going to get moved around. Well, also, it's too, it's completely overwhelming. I think that we had almost 10,000 words written about the Illini in Sunday's paper just in that section. So it's a massive project that we look forward to doing each and every year. Okay, that's old news now. It is. Well, what do you got coming up for tomorrow's edition? I got to look at uh, Kendall Gill's <laughs> golf outing that we talked about uh, earlier. Our top 50 countdown continues for college football with our number 46 most important Atlanta and number 46 top team and uh, lots of other sports nuggets sprinkled throughout in Tuesday's paper. 
Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, thanks. Thank thanks, you, Steve. Steve. Always good to visit with you on Monday afternoon on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good evening.